The Wesleyan Church of the 1700s used to greet one another with what has become one of my favorite sentences. How goes it with your soul? Apart from the quirkiness of the old English language, there's just something about that sentence. They'd begun this custom to try to disrupt a growing superficiality within their community. You know, they found that people weren't honestly sharing the depths of their hearts with one another, weren't being real about what was going on beneath the surface of their lives. Maybe we should try it. But would you even know how to answer? I mean, we are a lot more comfortable with our standard non-question question. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Aren't we? With everybody understanding that nobody is actually looking for an answer. What is truly going on beneath the surface with any one of us can be a question as perplexing as it is powerful. This month, we're we're talking about soul care, about how we do the active work of caring for the deepest part of ourselves, our truest essence, recognizing that you are a soul worth caring for. And as Jeff reminded us last week in the words of Jesus, like, what does it profit someone to gain the whole world but lose their soul? And this isn't an unhealthy focus on ourselves, but just an understanding that in order to live a life of selfless love, we first need to have a deep well of healthy self-love to draw from, right? You can't give away what you don't genuinely have. Even airlines know we, we have to put on our own oxygen mask first, And with anxiety, depression, exhaustion, and burnout at epidemic proportions these days, it's, it's becoming overwhelmingly clear that we are not that great at caring for the deepest part of ourselves. And yet in the book of Proverbs, we read, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And the writer is reminding us how incredibly important it is to care for the the sacred space in here, knowing that what goes on inside of us inevitably fuels everything we do outside of us. So what does it mean to, to keep our heart with all vigilance, knowing that from it flow the springs of life? For starters, it probably means knowing an accurate answer to the question, how goes it with your soul? which maybe sounds like it should be an easy question, like how can we not know how we're doing? Yet way too often over the past two years when someone has asked me, how are you? All I could think was, I don't know. And why are you asking me hard questions? (laughs) We are complex, mysterious creatures, even to ourselves. In the Bible, you'll find lines like, why so downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? It's not always easy to know how we're really doing for a bunch of reasons. You know, the the pace at which life flies these days leaves little room for honest self-reflection. Even when we get a moment or two, we tend to pick up a device and fill the space. Emotions can give us clues about what's going on beneath the surface, but we rarely read them right or understand where they're coming from. Most of the time, we just try to avoid or relieve them rather than get curious enough to listen to what they're trying to tell us. Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living, and and yet it's almost like we actively avoid going beneath the surface of ourselves. And that lack of self-awareness breeds all kinds of disconnection both in us and around us. It matters that we know how we're really doing inside, because that reality is affecting everything we touch. 
And here's the thing, like, like with the car, when the internal gauges go down, we know what to do, right? We pull into the gas station and fill back up. If only it were so simple with our souls. But it's not because we barely glance at the gauges. We don't know what kind of fuel we need. We get duped into putting fake fuel in the tank. But we can learn to know better. Even when we don't slow down enough to look at the gauges ourselves, our, our own bodies and the rest of our system will often give us warning signals, indicators up on the surface about what's going on below the surface. The trick is we have to pay attention to them and then learn how to apply remedies that will actually work to bring us back into healthy zones. This is what it means to keep your heart with all vigilance. So let's talk about zones for a minute. It helps to remember that health is a dynamic state of being. It's not a black or white, either you have it or don't kind of thing. It's a substance in constant flow. We can even think of it as having three levels, you know, green, yellow, red. We could call green the flourishing zone. Here you, you feel strong or at least steady, well-rested, your mind is thinking pretty clearly, you have good relationships going on. Your emotions are full and free and manageable. You feel connected to God's presence and goodness in deep ways. And I'm not talking about some utopia of perfection because life in this zone is still full of problems. But this is the state of your inner being, your soul, even in the midst of a messy life. But then maybe there's a yellow zone where those good metrics start falling off a bit. You know, your spiritual life starts to feel dull and flat. Things that used to help you feel close to God no longer seem to. Your body starts to grumble. Maybe sleep gets thrown off. Maybe breathing is tight. You notice tension in your muscles. Energy disappears. Headaches, stomach aches, maybe random racing heartbeat, tiny little signals. Your mind will also signal with trouble concentrating, scrambly or racy thoughts. You know, it feels hard to be creative. Our emotions will signal us a bunch, whether they're erratic or disproportionate to situations. Maybe we feel overwhelmed or anger, fear, cynicism, persistent sadness that you can't tie to anything. Now, sadness is a healthy and whole emotion, so it's not just the presence of sadness, but rather sadness without explanation that won't relent. Sometimes the warning sign is that you stop feeling emotion at all and everything is flat and static. Now, all these things can be signal lights on your dashboard going off, trying to get your attention that your tank is running low. In the yellow zone, they, they start to waver. They're in and out. You're, you're losing steam, but not quite out of steam. It's a warning zone, to be sure, but it's also fertile ground for turnaround if we will pay attention. You know you've hit the red zone when things start going from wavering to collapse. When you start to feel not just knocked down, but incapacitated. When these things aren't happening sometimes, but all the time, and you can't get out from under them. Friends, I'll tell you that recovery from the red zone is much harder than from the yellow zone. The sooner you pay attention to the warning gauges, the easier refilling your tank goes. I think this language of zones can be helpful to share with each other, kind of soul care shorthand. So how, how do we get better at paying attention so that we're not waiting for warning signals to blare from the dash? You know, can we learn to keep regular company with our own hearts in the presence of Jesus in such a way that we simply live in tune with knowing how it goes with our souls? 
I think we need to learn to make friends with quietness for that, with stillness. And this has nothing to do with whether you're an introvert. We simply have to get quieter to be able to listen on a deep soul level. In Psalm 4610, the writer says, be still and know that I am God. It's in the place of stillness that we learn to hear things in our spirits, with our spirits, that whisper to us the truths about who God is and who we are. Regularly engaging in practices like silence and centering prayer, breath prayers. You know, these open up listening space within us. They, they teach us mindful presence. They center our souls in a way that tunes us into how we're really doing while simultaneously breathing us back to life. The reflection practices are also really helpful. Specific questions like the one we did earlier today or things like the prayer of examine, which is a regular habit of getting quiet with God to look back on the day and ask, where did I notice God's presence? Where might I have missed it? It's a regular check-in with how it's going with your soul. And we've got lots of examples of those practices on our website or our YouTube channel. I mentioned before how emotions give us clues as to how we're really doing, but it's often scrambled information. Right? Learning to decode that scramble will enable you to truly hear what your soul is trying to say. So learn how to dig deeper into what you're really feeling and where it's really coming from. The obvious answer is not usually the truest one. Brene Brown has a fantastic book called Atlas of the Heart in which she describes the nuances of 87 different emotions. Learning about emotion will help you to better understand your own soul. Working with a counselor can help you to do that too. Even simply honest conversations with good, trusted friends can help you to better hear and discern what's going on beneath your own surface. And learn to do these practices not just when you're, when you're in the yellow and red zones, but also in the green zone. You know, notice what goodness feels like in your body, in your mind, in your emotions. Listen for the echo of God's presence reverberating through your soul. Learn to hear that too. And so then, what do we do with all that listening beneath the surface? We practice good, wise soul care in response, specific to who we are and strategic to whatever level we find ourselves at inside, which is also not as easy as it sounds. You know, we get duped into putting fake fuel in the tank, thinking we're taking care, and then wondering why it doesn't actually work. You know, distraction is not replenishment. Binge eating or exercising or scrolling or gaming is not restoration. Self-medicating isn't actually healing. Anything that feels good isn't necessarily caring for your soul. You know, we have to sleuth out the spiritual and the whole life practices that actually lead us back to a full tank life. And what makes these soul care moves and not just surfacy me time is that our eyes are continually pointed towards Jesus in the process. Now, we're not looking to feel good again. We're looking to reconnect our awareness to the fullness of the Spirit of God, knowing that's where goodness overflows. And so how do you figure out whether something is actually doing that for you? Well, you try it more than once, and then you listen again to your insights. You know, does engaging in this activity draw you closer to Jesus' heart? 
Does it make you more passionate for what he's doing in the world? Does it fill you up with things like joy and peace and kindness? Does it strengthen your faith to believe that God can, that God will? Does it grow your hope? You know, does it amplify your love for people, for God, and for yourself? Over time, does it start to move your gauges back into the green zone? Now, we need practices that nourish our bodies, like good food and water, sunlight, fresh air. Our souls need engaging physical activity. You know, our muscles need to muscle. And we need both sleep and rest. And depending on where you're at, psychologist Henry Cloud notes that in a healthy state, you generally need to rest before you can sleep. But when you're in a state of exhaustion, you actually need to sleep before you can truly rest. Your, your mind needs practices both of rest from endless spinning and thinking and also creative stimulation and engaging challenges. Your heart needs connection with others, soul-level friendships, people who hold you when you're weak and call you into your strength. Our spirits need practices of wonder and mystery and worship and fire. You can build your own menu of soul care practices that work for you. You can learn where the, where the low-hanging fruit is, the easily accessible, reliable, quick fixes for you. And also where the high-impact fruit is, the practices that are worth the extra effort they do take because of the deeper work they do in you. And choosing care practices according to the level you're at inside is just wisdom. You know, when, when you're in the red zone, you need easy fills, fast fills, not challenge. Things that connect for you quickly and immediately start reversing depletion. You know, this is the land of perhaps it's not time to memorize three chapters of scripture. You might just need a sandwich and a nap. Nature in the red zone is so good to be reminded that there is a bigger world out there than the storm you're currently caught in. When you're weary and depleted, look for strategies where someone else's footsteps can lead you. A trusted friend, one-word prayers, worship songs where someone else has figured out the words and put them to music to help carry you. In the yellow zone, you need smart fills. You know, because you're kind of on the edge and you likely need a mix of both comfort and nurturing, but also engagement and challenge. You need practices that are actually within reach, but that'll also kick into some deeper gears. Feeling lethargic is, is often hidden boredom, so you actually don't need more rest, but more like creative challenge. When you feel emotionally weak, practices that help you feel physically strong, like exercise or hiking, can help flip that emotional switch over. Connecting into a group can often help pull you back from the edge in yellow. In the green zone, you have more room to play. You know, it's not the time to get complacent thinking soul care is taking care of itself. That's the quickest way to bring a green zone to an end. But this is a space where you want to both maintain what has been working, but also explore new fills, experiment, try something different. Your menu of soul care practices is never complete. It should be continually expanding in new directions, just like your soul is. And in all of this, the uniqueness of you is a significant factor. We read the words already this morning from Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
There is a complex intricacy to the design of you, and it matters. How well do you know it? You know, what uniquely drains you, what uniquely fills you with spark, the better you know your innate wiring, your strengths, your loves, your loads, the better you will be at caring for your soul. There are tools that you can use to explore that, whether personality tests like Myers-Briggs, DISC, or StrengthsFinders. One I found particularly helpful is the Enneagram, which helps us to not only understand some of the nuances of our personalities, but the underlying factors often driving them. If you haven't explored those before, you can find some helpful links in our daily practices doc this week. But no two people are the same, and it will take a unique combination of both familiar and brand new practices to keep life perpetually flowing through your veins. Figuring that out is work, but, but to be honest, it's pretty fun work. You know, it's life-giving, empowering, flourishing kind of work. It's the holy work in the holy space of your heart that if you will take it seriously, has the potential to fill this world with more and more of the presence of God through the ever-increasing brightness of your one-of-a-kind soul, knit together by the author of the universe. You are a soul worth caring for. Last week, Jeff told the story of being in a conversation with friends who are one after the other, they were detailing the absolute exhaustion of their souls. I was in that circle. I am one of the ones who is feeling on the ropes after these past couple of years and, and now flung back into a frenetic pace of life. My insides are struggling to keep up. My soul is in the yellow zone. And I'm having to go back and recreate my own menus, you know, to get quieter and go beneath the surface and practice soul care like my life depends on it. Because it does. And maybe yours does too. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, Jesus longs for you to know the daily reality of a deep and free and overflowing soul in the midst of life's mess and complication and even painful seasons. You know, to know peace and rest and fullness and vitality, to feel alive in every part of your being and to let that life of Christ flow right out from the center of you into the world around you. This isn't some out-of-reach utopia. It's actually the life that you were made for. And no matter how it goes with your soul today, even if all you can take are baby steps, baby steps will still get us there. It's pretty much the only way I know how to walk. We're going to keep talking about this all month long, but this week I want to encourage you to really try to increase the listening in your life. Now get quiet and hear what your soul is trying to say. What is God whispering to you in the everyday moments? What's your body telling you? How about your emotions? Now maybe it's time for a conversation or two with some good friends who can reflect back to you how they see things going in your soul these days. Try to notice the experiences that fill you with life. And when they happen, Pull out your phone or a notebook and make an actual note. Otherwise, you will forget it. Begin to build your own menu of soul care practices. Look for people around you who seem to be full of life. Ask them questions. Try the practices they recommend. We can do this soul-restoring work in community. 
and we will all be better for it as we help hold each other up and lead one another closer and closer to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our tender shepherd. In you, we have everything we need. Would you teach us how to lay down in green pastures? Would you lead us into quiet waters? We look to your love to refresh our souls. And even when life is a whole bunch of mess, would you fill us with mercy and hope? May we not miss even one moment with you. And may your goodness lead us all the way back to life. Amen.